0: what is up happy Sunday night welcome in to post loons a special day after edition of post loons here as we are breaking down Minnesota United's two to one win over Houston Dynamo I was at a little uh family outing last week or excuse me last night yesterday during the match uh so I wasn't able to attend wasn't able to watch live hence the uh, day after post loons but I caught up on the match earlier today um was a very for all intents and purposes. You see 2-1, you see not a lot of XG, not a lot of shots on target, but it's a pretty exciting match. Um, And uh, it ends up with the Loons getting three huge points as they continue to battle for playoff positioning, playoff seating, trying to get a top three or four spot in the Western Conference. What's going on? My name is Jeremy Rushing. Welcome into the stream. And as you are sort of Getting into the stream here and tuning in. If you want to offer your two cents, your questions, your comments, your your hot takes on the two to one win, feel free to drop those in the chat. Would love to respond to those as we get going here. You can also, if you're watching on Twitter, you can head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com, search Post Loon, search Soda Soccer, and you will be able to uh, drop those questions or comments in the chat uh, there on YouTube. You cannot, unfortunately, drop a question or comment on Twitter. You got to head over to our YouTube channel to be able to get involved in the conversation. But yes, it is a two to one win for Minnesota United. So it's going to be looking a little bit different on the the stream here as I'm in the basement because I have a second screen now set up, which is great. But as I'm reading the notes and reading my screen, you're going to see me kind of looking over here. That's just because I'm looking at the second screen. Uh, that way I can kind of keep the, the comments pulled up in front of me here, and I can see what people are saying. But as you are getting involved and in getting into the stream here on YouTube, make sure you drop those questions or comments that we'll respond to a little bit later on in the show. But as usual, we're going to kick things off with our three things, three big takeaways from that two-to-one win. And the first one's a pretty obvious one. I think it's the one a lot of Minnesota United faithful came away um, you know, feeling, and that's that sense of resilience from this club. Um I don't know even if you go back two or 3 months ago if this is a match that Minnesota United wins at that juncture. If you go back previous years, I'm fairly confident this is not a match that Minnesota United wins. Um just nothing was going their way. They were playing, you know, far from their best brand of soccer in this one. But they stayed patient. They waited for those Houston mistakes to come. There's a reason why Houston is sitting 13th in the Western Conference right now. They are a team that makes mistakes. So Minnesota, they kept the pressure on, but they also stayed patient. It was kind of this weird balance of they were continuing to poke, continuing to prod, continuing to try to break down that back line, continuing to press. But they also stayed patient and waited for those Houston mistakes to come. And when those Houston mistakes came, they capitalized. Only two shots on target for minnesota united but both end up in the back of the net um actually i guess the one so one didn't end up in the back of the net uh because the second goal came on an own goal or the first goal came on an own goal but uh, only two shots on target for the loons two goals for the loons so that tells you they waited for their chances to come and they took their chances which not something you could say about previous minnesota united teams uh, how badly did they underperform their expected goals last year. If you weren't paying attention, they underperformed their XG by quite a bit last year. They did not take their chances. And that trend was continuing earlier into this season as well. But one of the biggest differences in this Minnesota United run, and you saw it on display in this match specifically, is they are taking their chances. When given the opportunity to put the ball in the back of the net, they are putting the ball in the back of the net. It's Luis Samaria, it's Franco Fracapani, it's obviously Emmanuel Reynoso. Whoever is getting that chance, that high percentage opportunity, they are taking advantage of those chances. And over these last two months, you actually see a Minnesota United team who's outperforming their XG as opposed to underperforming. Their XG in this one was only 0.95, but you get two goals. That that doesn't happen in years past or even months past for Minnesota United. This game in a nutshell shows you how this Minnesota United team is different. They are able to stay patient. And when those opportunities come, they're able to take advantage of them. They weren't getting many opportunities in the first 75 minutes of this match. Houston actually did a pretty good job tightening things up along the back line and not really allowing Minnesota United the opportunity to get in high, high percentage situations. If you want to call them that, but it's expected that a 13th place team is going to have that breakdown at some point. And Minnesota just waited for it to happen. And when it happened, they capitalized. And that is absolutely, I mean, credit Dane St. Clair too, for keeping them in this match with multiple big saves. Houston had a couple chances to make it too. And DSC came up huge, keeping the loons in striking distance. And when you have that, you know, brick wall at the back, that's able to keep you in those matches and you have a front line that's performing to the capability that this front line is right now, you have, you have confidence that even in the 80th minute, even down one nil against the Houston dynamo at home, that this team is going to find a way to break through and do what's necessary to get the points necessary. That's exactly what they did. And speaking of that press, my second thing is the front line is now the first line of defense for Minnesota United. We've seen this on display in the last two matches, the high press, has been worked to absolute perfection. I know there's some people watching the stream that maybe even still might be doubting Adrian Heath and his impact on the club and whether or not he's the right fit for this club moving forward. But you cannot deny that this high press that Adrian Heath has implemented, specifically in these last two matches, has been worked to perfection. You see this twice, each second halves, each of these last two matches. Fragapane forcing turnovers at the back, where for some reason a team is trying to play the ball out of the back in the second half against Minnesota United. Don't know why teams keep doing this, especially Houston. What are you doing? You're up a goal in the 79th minute against Franco Fragapane. Why the hell are you playing the ball out of the back? But they do. And that's the mistakes that I'm talking about. A team like Houston is not going to be that tight late in a match. Where they're gonna be able to just lock it down and lock it in. They're gonna make mistakes. And that that high press is something that helps you force those mistakes and force those turnovers and force the issue and force things to happen. It's been worked to absolute perfection in these last two matches. I mean, the the two Frogapane turnovers leading to the two goals, the winner against Austin, the you know, leading to the Reynoso free kick that equalized the match in this one. You know, that high press has directly gotten Minnesota United six points, you could say, has directly led to six points for Minnesota United over these last two matches. Really, really well done. And it's nice to see that Minnesota has been able to utilize that high press well and take advantage of other teams' mistakes. Um, The third thing, and this is sort of the, the negative that we have to address now, right? What is next at center back? This big win came at a cost for Minnesota. Bakayi Dabasi goes down early with a leg injury. We haven't really gotten an official prognosis. At least I don't think that we've gotten a prognosis at this point. If I'm, if I'm missing something and there has been an official prognosis, feel free to drop it in the chat from, but from, from what I've seen so far, I haven't seen anything official, but Adrian Heath did indicate after the match that it did not look good. Um, which usually means that you're going to see a guy, he said this about Will Trapp. He said this, you know, he said this numerous instances before, and he's usually not wrong in those instances. He's usually that usually means that somebody is going to be out for an extended period of time uh, when, he, when he sort of comes out and says those sort of things. So um, it'll be interesting to see how the loons navigate this if this is an extended period of time lost for Debassi. Um, do you trust Coleman to start? And are suddenly uh Callum Montgomery and Nabi Gucci your backup center backs at this point? Who knows? Or Do you go in and bring somebody in from the outside? John Brooks name has come up quite a bit on Minnesota United Twitter over the last 24 hours. I don't know what his contract, I'm I'm not going to lie. I don't know a lot about his contract situation. What's going on with him at Wolfsburg. um, If, if that is even an option for Minnesota, but you need to either. And I love Brent Coleman. Coleman has done whatever's been asked of him over the last, I'd say two or three seasons, you know, he has been forced to come in and replace injured players before in the past, including behind Debassi. He has done excellent work in those spurts. He has been asked to go, you know, coming for spot starts every now and then, and he's done well. He's been asked to come in on his, uh, come on as a sub several times. And he has done well. There's been a couple of eh outings this year from Coleman, but we haven't seen him nearly as much. And I think when you don't get that consistent run of form, a la DJ Taylor, um, when you don't get those consistent opportunities, it's tough to be performing at your best, right? So if they do turn to Brent Coleman and say, "Hey, we need you to get us through this next month or so, however long it is for DeBassy, um, even if it's through the playoffs," I'm not necessarily um, bearish on that situation. I, I, I don't, I don't hate that. That's not the worst to me. But I do think if you're if you are if you're Adrian Heath and you are the Minnesota United front office and you say, we're in our window, we're MLS Cup contenders this year, we can win silverware this year. You need to go out and bring somebody in who's going to make that big impact. Dave Alenska clearing some things up on Brooks' situation says Brooks is a free agent and hasn't signed with anybody yet. It'll be interesting to see if he would be interested in coming to MLS and coming to a team like Minnesota United who could use a quality backline player at this point. Um, I am, I, again, love Brent Coleman, won't hate it if they go to him and turn to him in this situation. But I think if if you're going all in on the season, and I think this is a season, if you're going to go all in on a season, it should be this season. Um, I think this is an opportunity for you to show it, and this is an opportunity for you to bring in, uh, somebody from the outside who can make an immediate impact and maybe help lead you through a, through a playoff run at center back. And I think you're also seeing the front office sort of pay for not being more forward thinking when it comes to center backs. How often have I been here? You guys are probably got sick of me saying it, but here we are. How often have we been saying on the show? that they need to look at getting younger at center back and look at who is going to make that next impact and be the future along the back line for this team, centrally, specifically along the back line. They did not bring in a single center back in the transfer window. I did not like that move. I thought you should bring in a young stud center back. Whether it was a TAM deal, whether it was a DP, didn't matter. Somebody on the younger end who can make him both a short and long-term impact on this team. You didn't do that. I don't know what the center back market was like. Maybe there's nobody that fit that description. Who knows? But they didn't do it. And they haven't done it over the last few season when the, seasons when the writing has sort of started to be on the wall. When, when Iko Parra went down in early 2020 and you got to the point where late in that season you said, okay, maybe he's not going to come back. I thought at that point, Minnesota should have been looking at the future of their center back position. I think Bakai Dabasi has a few more years in him. I think Michael Boxall has a few more years in him. But you need to be looking at guys who have more than a few years left in them. Or you should have been. Now you're at the point where maybe you bring in another older guy who can make an immediate impact and at least just get you through the rest of the season. Cause I don't know in, in late August, how many young stud center backs are going to be on the market. I think you're more looking at guys like who are free agents, like John Brooks uh, to come in and uh, and sure things up at least for the end of this season. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I also think they're paying the price for not, for not being more proactive in addressing that, uh, that center back situation. Those are my three things guys. So feel free to drop your um, takeaways, thoughts, feelings, takes from the two to one win over Houston. Uh, But while we do that, I'm going to go a shout out our friends over at ninth street, soccer and coffee. Once I get the banner up here and I'm going to switch over to this side, 801 South ninth street in Minneapolis is where you can find ninth street, soccer and coffee. They were um, huge. You know uh, they, they played a huge role in the community stuff happening during MLS all star week uh, here in Minnesota. And they are sort of the community soccer hub, uh, if you will. For the entire twin cities, they're centrally located right in northeast Minneapolis. They have pickup, affordable pickup, you know, five nights a week. They have uh great coffee in the coffee shop, they have soccer on the TVs. Now that there is soccer on all day long, there will be soccer on all day long at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. I promise you that. Um, so it's a good place to go, even if you're not a big soccer player, you can go watch some soccer, enjoy some coffee, and also maybe have an adult beverage or two because now Ninth Street is selling beer from Oodip Castle Danger, and more. It's just a great place to go to be in a soccer environment, whether you're a soccer player, soccer supporter, soccer fan, to somebody who loves soccer um, and great coffee. Ninth um, Street's the place to go. So head on out to their website, 9thStreetMPLS.com. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram, at 9thStreetMPLS. Or just stop by and see them, 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis, or online, 9thStreetMPLS.com. Cannot thank our friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee enough for helping us out on the Postloons live stream and at sodasoccer.com. So I've given my three things. Again, if you guys have any uh, takeaways or any questions to ask or any comments that you would like read right on the air, feel free to drop those in the chat. Um, but we're going to kind of get to some of those match moments because we haven't really focused too much on the goals themselves. Um, there was a great bicycle kick from Luis Amaria that we got to get to. Um, there were some things over the course of the match that maybe didn't fit into the three things that I really want to kind of hit on and address. Um, the first of those being, obviously we just talked the, about the debassi situation at length. Fourth minute is when he goes down and if you didn't see it, he's sort of clearing a ball out of the Minnesota defensive third and he goes down clutching his right leg. Now he cleared the ball using his left foot. So this means that it's the plant leg that, uh, was the one that, uh, that was hurting. And that's not a good sign. Um, obviously, uh, he's helped. He gets help to the locker room. I didn't see this, but John John Marthaler, uh, who was at the press box at Allianz Field yesterday, had mentioned that he could barely walk under his own power uh, heading to the locker room. That he needed a lot of help uh, to take that weight off his legs. So um, again, that obviously is not an encouraging sign. And after the match, again, he didn't have an official prognosis, but he indicated that it didn't look good. So we will see. What that official prognosis is for Debassy when it comes, um, obviously we'll we'll ask Keith about that in uh, in training tomorrow. Eleventh uh, minute, Taylor sends across to an open Reynoso in the box again. Yes, it was DJ Taylor at left back yesterday. Uh, Kamar Lawrence evidently unable to go. Um, Heath indicated earlier in the week he was pretty optimistic about uh, Lawrence's chances to be on the field on Saturday, but obviously that did not happen. Um, hopefully, it's just a situation where they're being um, extra cautious with Lawrence because. Obviously he is a he's a massive uh, impact all, all on the left side of that back line, right? I think if he had more, I think if he had more starts, more time with Minnesota prior to the all-star break, he probably would have been a huge contender to be voted on the all star team. That is how good Lawrence has been for Minnesota United and how influential he'd been uh, in this run. So they obviously need him back. Um, Taylor's done well along the left. I, I think Taylor, for as much as we talked about, you know, before the Benitez signing became official, when it was rumored, uh, what that would do to Taylor and kind of how I, and I think a lot of people shared my opinion that, that it should have been Taylor's spot to lose. I think we've seen that. It's it's probably Alon Benitez's to lose at this point. He has been the one, ever, ever since he's been fit and ready to go, he has been getting the starts at right back. So Taylor seems to be fitting this, uh, this flex depth option along both fullback spots, which is not a bad place to be, but I hope that he gets enough run to keep himself in good form because he is somebody who he has shown, you know, if he is able to get consistent minutes and get on the pitch night in and night out, then he can he can make a huge impact. But when he's when he had only been getting, you know, on the field once a, once every couple weeks, once a month, um, you saw him struggle a little bit. So I think he needs that consistent run. He needs that consistent time on the pitch to be able to p- perform at that optimum level. So I just hope he gets it if he is sort of that depth option at this point. Uh, but he plays across into an open Reynoso in the box here in the 11th. Houston defense closes quickly on Ray. Uh, he dribbles around. His shot's blocked into the path of Fragapane, but his shot deflects away. 32nd uh, minute. Reynoso chips a free kick to Benitez on the right side of the 18. He heads it in dangerously into the middle. It's punched by Clark, pinballs around, eventually finds the foot of Ludd at the top of the 18, but he one times it over the bar. And then 45 plus one, this is where we get the opener from Houston, another stoppage time concession from Minnesota. And this is something that I'm I'm not pulling any fire alarms yet about this, but in a playoff scenario, this is something that could absolutely bite you and cost cost you your season. These stoppage time goals given up. And it happens again. Second minute of stoppage time. Uh, Minnesota get caught ball watching on a counterattack. Dorsey sends a long ball to a wide open Baird in the box. Baird completely mishits the shot. This was kind of of embarrassing from from, uh, uh, both sides perspective because Baird just completely scuffs the shot, but it's chipped enough where it's going over St. Clair's head. St. Clair is coming out to cut off the angle, so he's coming off his line, and the ball just chips over his head almost accidentally. And uh, it ends up going into the into the back of the net, and it puts the visitors ahead at half. Um, you gotta lock it down at the end of the half. You have to. If you are, if you're level heading into first half stoppage, you have to be at least level heading into the locker room. If you are up in first half stoppage, you have to still be leading when you are heading into the locker room. You cannot give up stoppage time goals. Obviously, second half stoppage time goals can obviously be killers, but so can first half. So you need to lock it down at the end of the half if you're Minnesota because that could cost you your season in a playoff scenario. Second half, 53rd. This would have been a goal of the year candidate had it got in. Uh, the pest to Fragopane, once again, not giving up on the play. Wins the ball near the byline. He crosses to Amaria just inside the six. The Paraguayan hits this bike absolutely clean, but it's wide of goal. I tweeted this earlier today because I was obviously watching after the fact, and I tweeted out you know just how impressively clean amaria hit this uh hit this bike and that if it would have gone in this been easy goal of the year candidate um and uh, a few people replied saying that even though he missed the bike it really like re- rejuvenated the crowd it energized the crowd who at that point i mean 53rd minute you're down 1-0 to a third to a 13th place team you're probably not going to be you know you're you're not going to be as into it as you were if the match were level or you were ahead right So, But a lot of people were saying that bike from Amaria, even though it was wide, sort of really re-energized the crowd and got kind of got the crowd back into it and kind of showed at least some life for Minnesota United at that point. Uh, 63rd, Houston nearly adds a second as a long ball from Pico gets loose in the box. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Right in the path of Cebus, who uncorks a point-blank one-timer. How this did not end up in the back of the net, I have no idea. But Dane St. Clair, once again, up to the task, makes a huge save. To keep Minnesota in striking distance. Uh, 71st, Fragapani flicks on a pass from Ludd to Amaria, who's all by himself in the box. Amaria puts it away, but the reason why he's all all alone is because he's about three or four yards offside, one of the more blatant offsides that I've seen in quite a while. Uh, 77th, both Amaria and Fragapani just putting a ton of pressure on the Houston back line, as again, I do not understand why in the 77th minute of a match in which you are leading on the road, you are trying to play the ball out of the back against a Minnesota frontline who has been pressing you all match, but also has been known for creating turnovers in the final third. It's just, it it, it it's not good. Well-disciplined play from Houston, which is probably a main reason why they're 13th in the West right now. Uh, but anyways, um, Excuse me. Fragapane gets the turnover. Wow. Uh, my brain just completely went dead there for a second. Uh, Fragepana gets the turnover and uh, earns the foul just outside the 18. And then it's Reynoso with the free kick. Sends it in a dangerous area. Pico gets a foot on the ball, but it ends up redirecting right into the back of the net. An own goal. An earned own goal, though. This is not just a mistake. This is a forced error. It's not an unforced error, if you want to use a tennis term. It's a forced error from Minnesota. And uh, a well-deserved equalizer. And then, just five minutes later, the Paraguayan connection strikes again. There is something there. Amaria and Benitez, both be playing on the Paraguayan national team, being the two Paraguayans on this team, they they have this connection. This is this is already the second time they have connected on a goal, and it's been kind of the same way. Where Benitez is just outside the box on the right, and uh, he gets a wide open Amaria basically standing on the penalty spot, a defensive breakdown from Houston and the number nine buries his ninth goal of the year. And it's the winner, Minnesota big win two to one over Houston in comeback fashion. We do have a comment in the chat. Let me go get to it. Paul Forster says, very sad for Debossi and had my head in my hands when I saw him on the ground away to RSL and home to Dallas are massive games Is three points in the next two games acceptable? Four points, six points, thoughts. We will get to what's coming up in just a second, but Paul, I am going to answer your question here. So as you mentioned, these next two matches, Dallas and RSL, I guess RSL, then Dallas. You're at RSL, 8.30 kickoff on Wednesday, kind of a late one. And then uh, another matinee on Saturday at Alleyans Field against Dallas, which I will be in attendance for, or in the press box for, I should say. Um, these are big for seeding because you are third right now if you're Minnesota after Dallas's, uh draw against, uh, I can't remember who they played. I think it was RSL, right? Um, so you are in third right now. Dallas is fourth. RSL is fifth. You're, you're the third team, and you're playing four and five over the next two matches, five and four, if you want to go in order. Um, I think at RSL, you would very much take a point on the road there. And I think with how good you have been, a point on, on on the road should be the expectation. You should be able to go into RSL and get a point. RSL's good, don't get me wrong. But I think the way you're playing, doesn't matter who it is. Could be, LA, could be LAFC on the road at the bank. You're expecting a point on the road and, and three at home from this Minnesota United team. Full stop, rest of the way. So, yes, Four points would be the bar of acceptable for me. Is three the end of the world? Absolutely not. But the expectation that this Minnesota United team has earned is that they go on the road to RSL and get at least a draw. Then they come back home in a big match against Dallas against what is probably going to be another weather-pending, packed crowd at Allianz Field. You find a way to get three points in that one. So I think four points is the goal. Four points is the expectation for me over these next two matches, even though they are, again, uh, against the fourth and fifth seeds in the West. Um, huge matches for playoff seeding. If you get those four points in those matches, you are sitting very, very pretty, as I believe there are only uh, five matches left after those two. So, uh, yeah, Paul, I, these are two big ones, and I think four points should be the goal. Uh, we'll talk more about what's coming up after I shout out our friends over at Holmes, P-E-N-T-Z, Holmes.com. Nate Pence uh, has been so great to us, and he's also so great to many other Minnesota soccer uh, organizations and clubs. Um, He helps out uh, Minneapolis City, Minnesota Aurora, and obviously he himself, he's a huge Loons fan too. So very much ingrained in the Minnesota soccer community, but that is not the reason you should use Nate and his team to um, help you sell your house, buy a new one, wherever you're at in your your home buying or selling journey. Uh, Nate can help you because he and his team are damn good at what they do. They have the team, they have the technology, they have the the people and the, and the plan in place to help you navigate this crazy market. And he'll develop a plan that's specific to you, specific to your situation, and one that will help you really maximize what you can get out of your home, but also what you can save at the home that you're going to be buying. Um, moving, very stressful process. Uh, my wife and I, sold our townhome, and moved into our current house in J- January of 2021, I never want to go through that process again, ever. We had a great realtor, but it was still just such a stressful process. Nate and his team, while it's completely impossible to erase all of the stress out of the home buying and selling process, Nate and his team do their absolute best to make sure they minimize that stress and uh, make sure it's as it's easy of a process as it can possibly be for you and your family, whatever your situation is. So make sure you're at least, I mean, the, the the conversation is free. It's free to just talk to Nate, talk to his team about how they can help you and what they can do for you. So why not just reach out? So go to PensHomes.com, read their countless five-star reviews, um, read what other people have to say, learn more about them. Or if I have sold you here, if I've done my job as a salesperson, and uh, you want to go ahead and just contact Nate directly. You can do that. You can see his name in ATE at penceholmes.com is where you can email him. Huge thanks to Nate and the team over at Pence Holmes for helping us out on the post Postgame post game show and at sodasoccer.com. Uh, 28 minutes in, we've gotten through the match moments and we just sort of got through the, uh, the next couple matches preview. So I will stick around for a couple more minutes if there are any more questions or comments that we want to get to tonight. Um, I really appreciate all the listenership or uh, I guess viewership will be listenership on the podcast after this. So again, if you are tuning in sort of after the facts or you're tuning in late here and you want to hear the whole thing and maybe you just want to have it on in the background while you're doing something else, this will be up on the soda soccer podcast feed afterwards too. So you can check us out there. Also, make sure you're checking out sodasoccer.com for all of your Minnesota soccer coverage. I mean, we have MNUFC2, Minnesota United, Minnesota Aurora, Minneapolis City. We got Gophers and St. Thomas coming up. We got it all covered. It was a busy summer covering lower league. It's going to be another busy fall covering the college soccer scene. But that is what we do at sodasoccer.com as we cover the entire breadth of Minnesota soccer, not just Minnesota United. Yes. We give you your loons coverage, but it's uh, a lot more than that as well. So S O T a soccer.com. If you want to take that next step and contribute to what we're doing and help us out and support us that way, we do have a Patreon. You can hit us up at patreon.com slash soda soccer. That'll do it guys. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate all of the, uh, all of the, again, the viewership tonight um all the support that you guys have given the Post-Loons post game show all season long it's been awesome to see new people joining in and chiming in but also guys like Dave Valensky who um you know are are here pretty much every single time out contributing um it's just awesome to have that little community here on the Post-Loons post game show so i appreciate it thank you guys for tuning in it was a short one tonight uh we'll be back in the uh in the basement wednesday night late night following the wednesday night uh match against RSL Till then, enjoy uh, the beginning of your week, and we will talk to you on Wednesday. See you guys.